Um, and as Andrew was saying, uh, it's my prayer for our church as well that our resolve would be to know God more uh, and to enjoy Him more this year in 2015. Um, this sermon, by God's grace, I hope it's not going to be about do more and try harder. It is, like I was saying, it's a blessing to be able to get to stand up here and proclaim the truth, not only to you, but it's also a blessing because I get to proclaim the gospel to myself and to my own soul to remember God's grace um, that I don't deserve to be able to stand up here uh, without guilt or shame, that I'm not worthy to proclaim the good news to you, uh, but by the grace of God that He is sent in Christ Jesus that I get to stand up here and proclaim that. We'll be spending the majority of our time in, uh, in Luke 2, uh, 25 through 35 today. Um, and if you have a Bible, please turn there with me. And if not, there's some on the back table that you're free to have. Just a quick recap of where we've been the last couple weeks, because I think it'll be helpful today. Um, Pastor Joe preached on uh, those who were waiting for the coming Messiah a few weeks ago, and then a couple weeks back. Brian thought on who that Messiah was going to be, and then last week Andrew uh, preached on the glory of God, both pre-incarnate when he was before he came, and his glory as a baby. So I'll, uh, I'll read it aloud, and then uh, we'll pray and get going. Luke 2, 25-35. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God, and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them, and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. I'll pray. Father God, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus in flesh uh, to bring us to yourself, that you may save uh, both Gentile and Jew, that we may know your salvation in Christ, that we may behold his glory in the face of Christ, and that ultimately, God, that you would transform us uh, by your grace, in, in your word, and, and by uh, the Holy Spirit. So we thank you so much. I ask that you be with us, Holy Spirit, that whatever is of me, um, it is forgotten, but whatever is of you, God, uh, that we would cherish and treasure that word. So I thank you so much. I pray this in your name, Jesus, for your glory and our joy in you this morning. Amen. So there's really three points from this text that I want to communicate uh, with you today. What, what I've seen in studying this word, and that's one, what is the consolation of Israel and salvation of all nations? Um, two, how that consolation and salvation lead to beholding Christ. And three, how in the beholding of Christ, this leads to experiencing God's grace uh, in Jesus and our joy in Him. So let's, let's start breaking it down. 
Verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now throughout Israel, it was known that, that God was going to send at a promised time a Messiah to come save them, to come rescue them from their enemies, uh, and that his glory may be revealed in them. So we've seen this start to unfold previously in Luke uh, with the coming of, of John the Baptist, the messenger um, from the wilderness that was coming to prepare a way for Christ. And we've seen this in Zechariah's prophecy that God is raising up um, a horn of salvation. Uh, we've seen this in the virgin birth, that God is preparing um, Mary's womb literally to birth, uh, to birth Jesus. And Simeon is, is, is along the same vein. He was waiting for this consolation from God, this salvation that was to come um, in the form of the Lord's Christ. And now, his waiting uh, was not, it wasn't a passive waiting. He wasn't sitting on the couch uh, waiting, like twiddling his thumbs, hoping that God would one day come. Uh, it's an active, an active waiting. Uh, that word is waiting is used elsewhere in Mark uh, as regarding uh, Joseph of Arimathea, who was looking for the kingdom of God. So we can assume that because of the word waiting is not passive, that Simeon was actively pursuing, uh, looking, eagerly expecting the consolation of Israel. And this, this consolation, to clarify, uh, I often think of it as a, a prize for not coming in first place, for getting second place to get a consolation prize, a participation prize. But that is not what is meant here. It's meant... Uh, as, as a receiving of comfort. And so Simeon was looking for comfort, not only for himself, but also for his people, for, for all the many years of sin and strife that they've gone through. Now, Scripture doesn't tell us how long Simeon had been waiting, but it's safe to assume that because he was known in Jerusalem as one who was waiting, that it was probably for quite a long time. And so why was he waiting for this consolation? Why did he desire consolation, comfort, and salvation? We know that for hundreds of thousands of years, that when David was king, that they were in before David was king, they experienced, Israel experienced much war, um, much persecution, slavery, um, not to mention sin and idolatry. And so Simeon was longing for this day to, to come that he would receive the Lord's Christ and experience much comfort from this affliction. He was looking forward to better days ahead, looking forward to, to the day when the sky lit up bright, not, not gray and gloomy like it is today. Anchor Church, like, do we have that same longing? Do, do those truths hold true today um, in our hearts? Do we long for better days ahead when when there will be no more sin, no more strife, no more bitterness in our hearts, no more anger, no more persecution, do we long for that day just to sit and marvel in God? Verse 26, And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So, not only did Simeon know Old Testament prophecy that, that God was preparing um, to bring a Messiah to save the world, to save, to bring glory to Israel, but it had also been promised to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death until he had seen this Lord's Christ. So I imagine Simeon to be like a, a child on Christmas Day, just 
hoping in that this gift that he so desperately longs for is underneath the tree. But day after day, Simeon still had not yet received it. Verse 27. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. So on this day, finally, he, the Holy Spirit leads him into the temple courts. He sees baby Jesus, the, the, the child of Jesus, and recognizes him. He, he blesses him. He rejoices in him. Simeon saw what, what we sing when, uh, in Christ, when we sing in Christ alone, when we proclaim the fullness of God and helpless babe. Simeon saw the fullness of God in the baby Jesus. The, the, I have a weird time saying baby Jesus because I always think of Talladega Nights. But, so, in Christ the Jesus, the, the child of Jesus, he saw the fullness of God. Because he had seen Christ, whom he recognizes as the salvation of God, he blesses him. He rejoices and worships him. And this is, coming back to this, is a baby. He, he's worshiping in baby Jesus that had yet to do anything. He would yet to earn any title of, of consolation, of salvation, um, or, yeah, of salvation or, or the Christ. And I think it's important to remember um, that Christ doesn't earn his title ever. He doesn't ever earn the title of, of consolation, of salvation, of Christ. He is. Right? We, we know that uh, he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We know that he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. We know he is and always was. He always was and always is. You can turn with John. Uh, you can turn with me to John 1 1. Uh, we're going to look at what John says about him. We're going to look at verse 1 and also verse 14 regarding uh, Jesus always being God. Verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Read that again. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So, so God... In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was God from the beginning. Verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So this Word that was in the beginning, that was with God and was God, came to flesh. And this Word, for Word, is, is Logos here. And we'll come back to that, but... But that God is the Word of God come flesh. And so I think what Simeon is seeing, he's seeing the fullness uh, of, he's seeing the, the glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth, um, as a baby who, who, who doesn't earn his title, but he is. Verse, uh, back in Luke, back to 28. So he took him up in his arms and blessed God. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. So God has sent Christ to bring consolation to Israel, to bring salvation for all peoples. And Simeon blesses God. He, 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 
gives a praise of glory to God. And so we, I think what he's saying, Simeon is trying to, to, to point out here, is this salvation is not of, of man. For my eyes have seen your salvation, and look in 31, that you have prepared. So this salvation is not of, of man's working, it's not of man's accomplishment, but it is the gift of God. It is by the will of God that he sent Christ to come to die for us. And so, Simeon responds in, in worshiping and enjoying and glorifying God because of this consolation that he's brought in his salvation. He saved us even when we were once Gentiles, not of the nation of Israel. We're going to look at, at 31 and 32. That you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. So even as as most of us in here, as we are, we're Gentiles by birth, we're not of the nation Israel, that we have no right to Israel's salvation, to Israel's consolation and comfort, but God in His grace and His mercy extends that to us um, by the work of Jesus. And Simeon, I'm not sure if he, he quite knew um, what he was proclaiming in that, but it's, it's because of the covenant um, that God made with Abraham and God promised through Isaiah um, in, in the Old Testament. So, Simeon sees the salvation of God in the face of Christ and worships Him. And for glory to your people, Israel. And so, Simeon also, so he, he recognizes that this salvation is for all peoples, for that Simeon has seen it with his own eyes, he's seen Christ, and that God is coming for the consolation of Israel because it, for, for many years, hundreds of years, Israel has, has turned their back on God. He, uh, they, have, they have gone into much sin, much, much idolatry, war, persecution, just turning their back on God. But God had appointed for them um, to be His people, but He can't present them to Himself unless they're washed clean, unless they're spotless and, and blameless because of His holiness. And so, Simeon knows that the coming of Christ's salvation is for the washing of the people of Israel as well, that God might present Israel to Himself in full splendor, spotless and righteous, free from sin. Now all these all these truths, all these longings that Simeon had, they all still hold water today. We too long for comfort, for consolation, for salvation, for freedom from sin, freedom from, from work and strife, freedom from bitterness and anger that we harbor, um, freedom from pain and sorrow that we experience, because this is not how God created the world to be. And so we need complete restoration and perfection. We need God to come back to restore everything the way it's supposed to be. He has come once, he's come for sin, that we may have life, that we may be um, free, from, uh, free from the law, free from the bondage and weight of the law, that we may receive grace in Christ, that we may be free um, and out of condemnation uh, in Christ. But he is coming again. He is coming again for complete redemption and restoration, that everything may be united in him and perfected in him. There will be no sin, no war, no death. Uh, our bodies will not grow old and weary. There will be no sickness, no pain, uh, no strife. So turn with me to Hebrews 9, uh, 26, the second half of 26 to 28. Nine twenty-six. But but as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages 
to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself, and just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. So he's come once already. He's dealt with sin already. We're free from the bondage of sin in Christ. But he is coming again for complete restoration. For those who are eagerly waiting for him. The way Simeon was eagerly waiting for the consolation and comfort for Israel and for himself. We are called to eagerly wait for God to come again to fully save and fully redeem this world. So, uh, Anchor Church, I just, I ask and I hope and I pray that we are all eagerly waiting for Christ to come again. That we are not looking at the things of this world, but that we're looking at Christ, understanding and knowing who He is, that He's coming back to bring us to Himself, to save us fully, and to redeem, um, to, to, to redeem everything that has been broken. Back in Luke. So my first point in the text was, what is this consolation that Simeon was longing for, and what is this salvation that Christ has brought? My second it is, in the beholding, in, the re in experiencing God's consolation and God's salvation, uh, we rejoice in beholding Jesus. So back in, in verse 28, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. For, sorry. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. So if this, this when, when Simeon received Jesus, uh, it resulted in, in much rejoicing. But how did Simeon receive Jesus? How do we rejoice um, as Simeon did in beholding Christ. The first thing I think we need to note is that Simeon's eyes were fixed on heavenly things. That in verse 25, uh, it says he was waiting for the consolation. He was righteous and devout. That, that not only was the Holy Spirit upon Simeon, but he also knew God's promises of old so that when Christ came, he could receive them. His, his words and his blessing echo Old Testament prophecy in Isaiah when, when God... Uh, has said that he will one day comfort his people, that he will um, reveal his glory to the eyes of all, that he will um, send a light for revelation to the Gentiles. So Simeon knew the word of God, God's promises, and was looking to the fulfillment of his word. Secondly, we see the joy in beholding Jesus when he receives these promises. Simeon took... I don't want to say baby. He took baby Jesus, the person of Christ, as a child. He took him in his arms, took him from Mary, took him in his arms and blessed God. He was intimate with him. He rejoices in him. He sees the word of God made flesh. He knows the many years of desperately longing and waiting for this coming consolation. And it's all come to pass, and his mind is set on Christ. It has become Simeon's delight and joy to think about Christ, to meditate on Christ in this moment. In the same way, when we behold God, when we behold salvation that has come to us in the face of, in the person of Jesus, we rejoice greatly in it. And David says in Psalm 40, May those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. Are we, not are we, I want us 
every second, every moment to be proclaiming great is the Lord regardless of what we're doing, regardless of what is going on, because we have salvation in Christ. That is our great joy as Lucinians as well. How, in your church, how are we proclaiming this? How are we experiencing this joy uh, in the salvation of Jesus? My final observation from the passage and it comes up, verses 33-35. So we looked at the consolation of Israel and salvation uh, for all nations. We looked at how that consolation and salvation leads to rejoicing in God. And now we're going to look at how beholding Jesus um, transforms our lives by grace. Verse 33. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. So we've already heard that Jesus was with God, that Jesus was God, he's from the beginning. So it's been appointed from the beginning that Jesus um, would be uh, the, would be appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. So this fall and rising, it's, it's basically saying that those who are high will be brought low and those who are low will be brought high. That the sign that is opposed is Jesus is opposed to the way that this world um, works, this, the, world, the way the world was set up. And so Jesus says, come, um, as Brian mentioned a few weeks ago, to preach this upside-down kingdom. Um, that it's, it's, it's not those who we expect it to be exalted. It's not, it's not the rich, it's not the priests, it's the ones that they were, they were being expected to be served. But it's actually the humble and the lowly um, that receive Christ, that they, Christ has come to, to preach the good news to. Look at, look with me at, uh, at Luke 6, should be just a couple pages, and this is the, we're looking at the attitudes to see how Jesus um, proclaims this upside down kingdom. Luke 6, verse 20. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, and revile you, and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day. Leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the prophets. So this is the rising and the fall. This is the, the sign of opposition for many. And we can also see in other places in Luke 5, I believe, right? Nobody, but uh, that Jesus compares himself to, to a physician, that he's come not for those who are healthy, but those who are needy. And so I, hear, I, I pray that it's our, our <coughs> position that we know that, that we need God. We need um, him to look upon us uh, in humble estate. And I, so I think a way we can look at it is that Jesus came to denounce um, the system, the way that the world was set up, that those who wanted to be exalted um, don't receive the news that they were hoping for. Uh, but we know that being exalted isn't life and joy, it's bondage. Um, and as Jesus has, has just told us, 
And I know oftentimes that is a, a great desire of mine to be seen uh, as having it all together, being up here, wanting the praise of man in my flesh, but knowing that that's not what Jesus would have for me, knowing that's who he opposes. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall see salvation. But I want Christ as my consolation. I want Christ as my satisfaction and my salvation. I hope for us, we as well, um, we would be a people marked by the people longing for Christ in that. Finally, turn, turn to verse 35. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. So remember, Jesus says, John tells us, is the word of God. So let's turn to, we're going to look at, at Hebrews 4, um, 12 through 13. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. For the word of God is living and active. This, the word word is the same word that John uses in John 1 to, to the Logos, that is Jesus. And so, Simeon tells Mary, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. We'll all stand naked and exposed um, in front of Jesus, and we must give an account. This is good news if you are a Christian. The piercing of our soul, the revelation of our wickedness, it all leads us to God's grace in Jesus, that He's come to save us. If you're not a Christian, you are opposed to God. You will stand naked and exposed. And you will have to give an account for your thoughts, for your actions, for your motivations. This judgment, it, it will not go well for you. You will be cast into a lake of fire and experience more pain than we can imagine on earth. But there is, there is good news for you. There is good news that Christ has come to bring you salvation. He's come to bring salvation to everyone who believes. I pray that we all may know that hope, that we all may know that joy, that we all may know that freedom. If you are not a Christian, please, please honor all that Christ has done to bring salvation. Please look at Him. Please know Him. Please treasure Him. Open the Word. Know it. It doesn't do any good sitting on the coffee table. We need to be in there to know, to treasure in. If you are a Christian, you believe this treasure. You know Jesus. You know the hope that you have in salvation. I should have warned you guys. I'm a crier. I warned you last time. <laughs> you know this treasure. We need to know the Word of God to know this revelation of the wickedness of our hearts that we may receive grace. We also know that we, as Christians, will stand and give an account to Jesus as well. That His words will pierce our soul and we will be exposed in His sight. But the good news for us is that we need to boldly proclaim that nothing in our hands that we bring to you, simply to the cross of Christ, we get to claim. This is the good news of Christ and salvation. 
He's come in the flesh as the person of Jesus to live the life that we should have to bring us to God, to give us peace with God, to give us peace with one another. It is the grace of God that reveals our weakness. So, what is the consolation and salvation? How does this consolation and salvation lead to beholding Christ? And how does beholding Christ lead to, to receiving grace in Him? It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God that reveals our wickedness. It was even for His own mother that He uh, pierced her own soul that she may receive God in Christ as salvation. It's His grace that leads us to enjoyment of Him in the midst of our wickedness. We get to rejoice in Him. That brings us to longing and eagerly waiting for His comfort and consolation in His second coming. That brings us to beholding Christ in the Bible and meditation on Him and communion and prayer with Him and singing songs to Him with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. The Word of God... Psalm 19 is on my mind right now. The word of God is more precious than fine gold, more sweet than honey. Uh, Psalm 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. We need to know his word, to know God, to know Christ, and to know his salvation. observations that I see from the text. <clears throat> that Simeon was longing for consolation and salvation. That in seeing and receiving this consolation, he received, he received it with much joy and rejoicing. And that in beholding Christ, um, our lives are transformed when we receive his grace. This is my prayer in Church that we would know the word in 2015, that we would treat it uh, as more precious than fine gold, that we would see Jesus in it, that we would know and rejoice in our salvation, that yes, there are there is pain and there is sorrow still in this world, but we have a great hope stored up for us in heaven. May we long and eagerly wait for this. I'll close in prayer. Father God, as, as Simeon knew you, as Simeon knew the promises of old, as Simeon was longing and eagerly waiting for you to come to bring him comfort and joy, may we have that longing. May we be waiting for you with much expectation and hope. And in the midst of that waiting, may we look to you, Jesus. May we rejoice in you with joy inexpressible. May we be known as a church who has joy inexpressible in you, Jesus. Thank you so much for the grace that you extend to us in Christ. May we all treasure it. May we know you more. May we rejoice in you more. May we enjoy you more in 2015, Jesus, in this new year. I thank you so much. We pray this all in Jesus' name.